Welcome to The Voice of Business, the official podcast of the Chamber of Commerce Hawaii, brought to you by Ultras. I'm your host, Joe McGarry. Diane Peters Wynn serves as the Regional Chief Executive Officer, Pacific Islands Region for the American Red Cross. This region includes Hawaii, Guam, Northern Mariana Islands, and American Samoa. Prior to her appointment with the Red Cross, she served as Chaminade University's Vice President of Advancement for over 12 years, overseeing development, communications, alumni engagement, and the Office of Native Hawaiians Partnerships. She played a key role in the development and completion of the most successful campaign in the university's history, Bridges to the Future, which raised an astonishing $118 million. Diane serves on a number of advisory boards, including Diamond Head Theatre, Pacific Arts Foundation, and the Friends of the East-West Centre. She's on the planning committee for Washington Palace's 175th anniversary and serves as the current president of Hui Hanai. She previously served on the Kamehameha Schools Advisory Board, the Native Hawaiian Hospitality Association Board, the Kamehameha Schools Alumni Association Board, and the Salary Commission of the City and County of Honolulu. Diane is a 2021 Pacific Business News Women Who Mean Business honoree. Diane, I'm surprised you have any time whatsoever for the Red Cross. <laughs> Welcome. It's so lovely to see you. Thank you, Joe. It's so nice to see you again. And just want to express my appreciation to the Chamber for hosting this event. It's, uh, it's always fun to meet with the people who are behind some of our best known organizations. And we do want to talk today about the Red Cross and the work that you do, and especially as March is Red Cross Month. But, you know, before we do, let's talk a little bit about you and how you've come to this point in your career path. I think it's always interesting to see the roads that people take, you know, from youth all the way through. And it's quite obvious that you have a masterful art of of community building, of working with teams, of leadership. Tell me about your early development and, and what your goals were way back. Well, Joe, I'd ha- thinking way back, I, I'd have to say we lived all over the world because my father was in the army. And I began an early love of different cultures and learning languages. And, you know, that uh, morphed itself into, um, I was a French undergraduate. What was I going to do with that? And then a master's in international affairs, East Asia, and then um, working in the really international arena in nonprofits and international education early on. And I just love that. I love the opportunity uh, to put people together, to lead teams, to have programs that were exciting. And um, it just, it, it was, you know, a wonderful pathway, as you said, one thing seemed to lead to the next. Did you find when, I sometimes think when we look at young people now who are starting off on their career path, they there's pressure on them to go into a certain thing, to study a certain thing at university because it leads to a certain path. And I seem to feel that a few years ago, let's say, there was more freedom to just do what you wanted to study and it would lead you somewhere. Do you feel that's possibly what happened with your path? I think so. You know, I think in my conversations with my husband, who's a first uh, generation immigrant from Vietnam, he, he, he makes very clear that it, each of the, his, you know, their five siblings, they had to choose career pathways 
that we're going to lead directly to a job. There's no sort of discovering yourself and finding mm-hmm. yourself and being a humanitarian uh, um, liberal arts major or kind of you know deciding what you were going to do and uh, finding what your passion was. It was find a pathway to get a job and and make sure that you come out on the other side with a job. And so his you know siblings are architects. He's an engineer. But I do think some of that pressure today, when you look at young people who, you know, maybe go into nursing or healthcare and they know there's a job waiting for them uh, versus taking something that, you know, may be more in, in their interest, but not as clear of a career pathway. Yeah, I think it's an interesting time and especially coming out of the past two years, you know, whatever end of the spectrum you're on, your life has been changed. How has it been for the Red Cross? I mean, an organization that is no stranger to global emergencies. Um, was even the Red Cross tested at some points here with the magnitude of the pandemic? Absolutely. When we say, and, you know, emergencies and disasters don't stop during a pandemic, and neither does the Red Cross. So we had to really move forward without missing a beat. When I first came on board at, at the um, helm, it was, uh, you know, mid, midway, it was in the beginning still of the pandemic. So July of 2020, if you think back to that time about a year and a half ago, we immediately had the lead up to Hurricane Douglas, which was the closest miss for Oahu ever of a hurricane, a major category four hurricane. So with me just brand new, not knowing anything. I mean, it was really um, our team pulled together, but there were a lot of changes and shifts. And so nationally, the Red Cross had to move away from what we call um, uh, congregate shelters, meaning everybody in one place to non-congregate sheltering. Here in Hawaii, it meant that, you know, making sure we allocated enough space for social distancing, PPE, and all of those measures doing um, screening for temperature, which you know we still do today, but um, all of those changes had to be made and immediately. So all of the sheltering protocols had to change. And then for uh, Hurricane Douglas, normally a team from the mainland comes over and is prepositioned and ready to go. This time we said they said we're well, here on your own. We're not going to fly over there because it makes no sense. We'll be quarantined in a hotel room. So we're going to guide you and mentor you have our team in place and do help with the management of the disaster relief, but we're going to be doing it from the mainland. So that was also an, a new shift. So so really you were having multiple changes happening within the Red Cross at the same time. You were, your responses to disaster were changing. And then presumably within your organization, so you as a leader of an organization, you were like many other business leaders in Hawaii. You had to work out how are we going to take care of our own people? Exactly. How are we going to work from the inside out? So how how did that develop? I mean, how how did your masterful leadership skills <laughs> kick in there when you looked at your organization, which is how many strong in Hawaii? How big are you in well, Hawaii? So we have about, you know, 30 overall staff. But as you mentioned, you know, we have staff in the far-flung areas. So here in Hawaii, you know, we have on all of the neighbor islands, we have the Red Cross offices on Hawaii Island, Maui, and Kauai. Um, we do rely on our volunteers. About 90% of our work is done by volunteers. And then, as you mentioned, we're also in the um, U.S. affiliated territories. 
So during the pandemic, I, you know, would tell my staff and tell, you know, our mainland counterparts, Maui is just as far away as Saipan for me because I can't get on a plane. I can't go over there. We can't send people and, you know, materials. What happens is what you've got there stockpiled. So um, Hawaii in general, you know, if you're in Hana or Haula or Kau, what you have on the ground is what you have. And the resources have to be local. We need people trained up and ready to go because it, you're going to be cut off. And so this is, I think, for us during the pandemic, it was we were able to use technology to continue meeting virtually and actually really um, increase our collaboration, our teamwork. And, you know, even, you know, in, in our weekly team meetings, have, have a closer uh, integration of our team during the pandemic. We've had a lot of business leaders who have said similar things that they they became more efficient, that they saw things in their companies that needed to change and perhaps wouldn't have changed for five years or more, that all of a sudden it, it was like everyone was on clear, focused overdrive to make things better for everyone. Do you find that that was happening at the same time while you're still looking out for everyone else? I, I think so. I think we've had, you know, those of us who especially took the helm during the pandemic uh, have had to be very creative in how do you build a team remotely um, when you haven't ever met your team in person. And so um, whether it's, you know, doing silly things like icebreakers and, you know, put everybody put in the chat an emoji that expresses how you feel or, you know, what's we're going to go around, we're going to go around the room and everybody's going to say uh, a new recipe that you tried or whatever it is, you know, <laughs> We even did a cookbook from our Pacific Islands where everybody submitted recipes and photos and compiled it. So we had our, you know, Pacific Islands region uh, Red Cross cookbook that was a pandemic product, you know. (laughs) (laughs) When you say, Diane, that 90% of your your people, your bodies are volunteers, obviously that's that was a part two of the Red Cross that changed during the pandemic because we know that a lot of people were just too fearful to go and volunteer to do anything. And then we weren't allowed to go out for a long period of time. How did that, how did the lack of volunteers affect you directly? So you are absolutely right, Joe. This was something that affected us not only here in Hawaii, but but nationwide. And uh, we found that, uh, like with a lot of other organizations, a lot of our volunteers are at that senior level and we're very vulnerable. This is, you know, before the vaccine, but even now. We find that folks are reluctant. And so even though they've been vaccinated and boosted, they may not want to come out and vault, uh, you know, do uh, in a shelter, for example, where um, it has to be, you know, boots on the ground. Now, there are many roles that we've shifted to virtual. So you can be a virtual volunteer and help with quite a few things. Um, I even got to be a virtual volunteer for a, a wildfire in, in uh, Oregon. But we, one of the things that we did is really make an effort on recruiting um, folks from a younger demographic. And so partnering, for example, with the young professionals of the chamber has been wonderful for us to open the eyes of people who may not have had an experience volunteering and want to find out, well, what, what is that all about? And, you know, how can I be involved in doing something relating to the mission of the Red Cross? And it doesn't have to be in the, 
you know, sort of the sexier disaster response field. It could be, I want to help with fundraising, or I want to help with communications and writing press releases. I want to help, um, you know, I want to help in our school programs. We have um, now all transitioned to virtual, but our, you know, preparedness disaster programs in the all the way from kindergarten up to the high school Red Cross clubs. Someone might want to be help with advising a Red Cross club. We have them from Molokai all the way, Big Island and everywhere in between. So lots of opportunities. And as you said, really focusing on a more diverse demographic for our volunteers. So it's Red March's Red Cross Month. The Red Cross has a really nice history in Hawaii, doesn't it? It's got a history of royalty being involved yes. very much. So um, yes. it brings with it a really nice tradition of community service. Absolutely. As, as you mentioned, Queen Lili Uokalani, shortly before she passed, was very involved in getting the Hawaii Red Cross chapter up and started in 1917, even launching the first membership drive and personally sewing a flag, which you could see in our um, headquarters today. And it, it has a very storied history here in Hawaii, responding to everything from the, you know, um, tsunamis in Hilo to the Kilauea, more recently the Kilauea lava evacuations and Marco Polo disaster. So, you know, the thing that we say is the Red Cross shows up. Mm -hmm. We're there. You can count on us to be there. And in the face of emergencies and disasters, we, are, we, we do it really two ways. One is by raising money, which is, which is critical. And secondly, through the power of our volunteers, which we've been talking about. What, what do you need the most? I think we're quite justified during the month of March to let people know how they can help the Red Cross. And I, I think sometimes, I think you're one of those organizations that are so much a part of our society, you're almost forgotten about when it comes to donations sometimes. Would that be fair to say? I think that is fair. I think we we do see those, you know, Red Cross vested folks coming in in the face of a, a you know aftermath of a disaster but we don't think about in between yes how the, do they get there who pays right. for them the 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 fundraising if you're able to make a donation it's easy to do you know we even have the uh, uh 90999 you can text um 90999 to, to make a $10 donation during Red Cross month you can go online and it's you know just redcross.org slash Hawaii to either volunteer or fundraise. And those would be our biggest two um, calls to action would be, you know, help support monetarily if you can or with your time and uh, your treasure, your talent. Those are, those are obviously big ways. And um, again, there's so many areas that we also, I want to mention our service to the armed forces because we do collaborate with the Chamber of Commerce uh, Military Affairs Council in the month of May which is Military Appreciation Month, to have an event recognizing the volunteers from each branch of service. So, so many different programs. And again, we just encourage people. We're, we have social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. It's just at Hawaii Red Cross. And we'd love for people to get involved. And volunteering-wise, you, you already mentioned that there are so many areas people can volunteer in and bring their expertise with them. Um, how does that process start? Is it just simply go to the website and fill out a form? Yes, it's it's very simple, and we, we try to make that onboarding process very painless. But I do, do want to say we ask that volunteers would 
uh, upload their vaccination cards. So this is a new requirement, and we had to get our existing volunteers on on board with that. But we're, we're the new volunteers that come in would be asked to upload their vaccination card and status. And then there's a there's a process that we bring them in and they you know talk to them and figure out what's the best match for their talents, for their interests, for the amount of time they have available. And then we would assign them and and see how they like it and try out some different positions within, you know, it could be our disaster side of the house, or as I mentioned, the service to the armed forces or education and training and outreach. And, you know, maybe someone wants to get involved with teaching um, hands-only CPR, for example. There's so many needs and so many areas that are just exciting. Well, as always, at the end of these interviews, we we have information about our guests and where they're from and how you can contact them. So I'm going to encourage all of you now to go to the Red Cross website. And even if you do, as Diane says, a small donation, everybody giving a small donation always adds up tremendously. And it would be nice to give you the boost that you need in in March. You know, before we we finish up, I just I would love to have your thoughts for other leaders um, in business. Y- you know, you're obviously someone who's very driven. You you've held these great positions and and done wonderful things, particularly with fundraising and 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 collaboration and leadership. What keeps you going? Like, how do you switch off? How do you take time to make sure that your batteries are always refreshed? Share with us some of that. Oh, well, that's a great question, Joe. I I, I used to joke about uh, one of the talks I gave was uh, Secrets of a Barefoot Executive because as soon as I would get in my office, this is way before the pandemic, I'd kick off my heels and then I'd tell my assistant, now, if the president comes towards the office, let me know so I can get my <laughs> shoes back on. But, you know, now we're all barefoot and, you know, dressed nicely from the top up. So, but it's really about, as you said, taking the time to recharge your batteries. And for me, that means time in the ocean. Uh, I'm a devoted bodyboarder, have been for many years catching waves or on the tennis court. And so, you know, you'll see me out there on the Kailua public courts. <laughs> where, you know, I try to get out and blow off some steam. But I think each of us finds has to find those ways as a leader to just unplug. And it, and it's hard. You find yourself every evening after dinner going back over to the computer and saying, okay, one more round on the emails. I got one more thing to finish. I got, you know, and before you know it, you know, it's 10 o'clock and it's like, oh. <laughs> so it's it's hard. It's hard. You have to be intentional and put that time, block it in your calendar. And you have to realize that the t- it's not selfish time. It's the selfish time you need to make you aware and available for everybody else. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I have find myself telling my employees, I think I get on during the weekend and I think I'll get some of these things out of my court. And then the, all the emails come right back. And I'm like, get off Stop the working, email, you guys. <laughs> Stop. I can't, I can't get them off of my late I need to get them in someone else's court and you know they laugh and but it's it's been like that you know you just have to tell people stop you, you should do that delay thing that I do sometimes is you send them you've hit send and you you're like great it's gone but they don't get it till Monday morning so Maybe that's what I need to do <laughs> then, then you won't have the guilt as well as yeah, everything else exactly 
Diane Peters-Wynn is the regional CEO of Pacific Island Region's American Red Cross. And it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming in to chat with us. Thank you, Joe. It's just been a real pleasure. And again, I want to salute all the wonderful work of the Chamber and the young professionals do. It's just tremendous. Yep, they are a driving force behind the business in Hawaii. And it's always such a pleasure to, to hear the voices behind business as well. You've been listening to The Voice of Business, the official podcast of the Chamber of Commerce Hawaii, brought to you by Alteris. I'm your host, Joe McGarry. Join us next time for more stories of Hawaii's business. <laughs>